All right, so this week, good morning, we're going to be wrapping up Daniel because chapters 7 through 12 all involve the same topics, we'll just say. The, the book shifts gears at 7 through 12, and um, it's a little risky, I know that. For some, you'll want more. For some, you'll want less. So uh, I'll give you what I give you today, and hopefully the Lord will bless. There's a rhyme, right? Okay. So we're looking at the book of Daniel, chapter 7 through 12. The topic, or, or what I hope you will zero in on and focus on, is the seen and the unseen. There are things that we see here right now, and there are things in the unseen going on around us. And we see that a lot in the whole book of Daniel, but in chapters 7 through 12. Now, as I looked at that, all of it this week, there's a certain point. It goes Tuesday? Yeah. Tuesday, I was ready to take the book I was reading and throw it against the wall. Vicki walked in and said, I just want to throw this book against the wall. She said, what is it? I said, it, it'll just make your head spin. There's so much stuff in chapters 7 through 12, especially chapter 11. And um, I didn't throw the book against the wall. And it was, either, it was either Tuesday, Wednesday. And then Wednesday, I kept thinking, knowledge, so much knowledge here. What do you do with this? What do I do with this, God? Sandy comes in and said, I was in prayer and I had a word for you. And the word she gave me was that wisdom is the application of knowledge. So I, I, I call me a nut job. I took that as an encouragement from God. You take this knowledge, Jim, and help all of us look for wisdom, all this. How do we apply chapters 7 through 12 in our lives? So wisdom is the application of knowledge. And today, you're going to hear in the Bible, you have biblical knowledge, historical knowledge, even political knowledge for the time, social knowledge, all of this combining, and I'm telling you, I encourage you to go back, if, if you're stimulated to read it, go back to read chapters 7 through 12. Um, 11 is fascinating, okay? But we're going to get into it. It's going to be a little bit of a brief overview for some, but the themes I want you to look for today, and I'm going to help you to see these, so we're going to, you're going to dig into one, then we're going to shift gears and go to another one and another one. It's prophecy, okay? So we're going to be looking at prophecy today, because that is in the book of Daniel. I'm not on a prophecy kick. We're in the book of Daniel, and that's where we're going with this. Specifically, there are prophecies dealing with the end times, the latter days. We're in the book of Daniel. We've already covered some of this when we did First and Second Thessalonians. Okay, so I'm not trying to ride the waves of current events. This is what we're looking at. The next is prayer, specifically the power of prayer, and the third is the eternal kingdom. All right, you think you're ready for all that? Like a three-course meal, right? Like, oh, I've had enough. I can't get the dessert. Well, the dessert is at the end, so hang in there, okay? Uh, quick prayer. Father, I don't mean to be disrespectful when I say quick prayer. We prayed up today. I prayed up. We prayed up as a church this morning before service. We prayed here. We ask now, God, that you will open your word to us. We are so privileged to be able to look at the book of Daniel, and I thank you for it, God. I, I pray that we can understand the magnitude of what we're discussing today, God. I thank you. I ask that you'll help me as I speak, help all as we listen and as we apply this in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Okay, so as if you were in a classroom, I'm going to give you a rundown real quick on 7 through 12. Chapter 7, for some are very familiar with it, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. This involves the night visions Daniel got at night whenever he's having dreams. Now, we know that God had blessed him with this gift when he was a young man, that he could interpret dreams, and he would use it with Nebuchadnezzar in many different ways and times, which we'll discuss. But he had a night vision of four beasts coming up out of the sea. 
And then there was an interpretation of what this meant, as well as prophecies regarding the Ancient of Days. You've been hearing that theme in the songs. The Son of Man and the Everlasting Kingdom. That's all in chapter 7. Okay? Then we move to chapter 8. And these, these passages, these chapters, you, you move this way, you move this way, you move forward. He goes the present time, and he goes back a couple years. And he, it, it is all a lot of the same prophecy, but told in different ways. And I find that just really intriguing that God speaks in this way. And he actually got the same vision that Nebuchadnezzar got. It was just completely different visual. And that's our God. Chapter 8 involves the vision of a ram and a goat, of all things. Uh, Two-horned ram, one horn was longer than the other. If you remember this, the, the Medes Persians, I believe the Persians were the longer horn because they were a stronger people. And then the shaggy goat comes across the earth without touching the ground and knocks this one down, and that's Greece and Alexander the Great. Prophecy that was given, already fulfilled, so we're not going to spend much time on that. But then he will shift in to, again, about a future leader that's coming, a future destroying leader, repeated again in chapter 8. Then we go to chapter 9. Chapter 9 is fascinating if you're into prayer to see how Daniel prayed. The whole chapter 9 is him praying and repenting for himself and for his people. The whole chapter. And then at the end, we see that Gabriel responds from heaven saying, at the moment you were praying, your prayer was heard. And he comes and gives him the cryptic message about the 70 times 7, which we won't get into too much, but he prophesied of a specific 490 years that would occur on planet Earth. It appears that 483 of these years have already happened, and then there was a pause. I am in the camp that thinks we're on pause, and there will be a, a last seven years that have yet to happen yet, a time of tribulation. Okay, the 70th week of Daniel, if you ever heard that term before, is what they're speaking of. Then chapter 10 is another heavenly messenger, possibly Gabriel, appears. I'm going to read that entire chapter to you when we get there. And more knowledge about the unseen spiritual warfare that goes on around us. Are you interested in that? Are you in a place in your life as a Christian to realize it's more than just trying to do church? There's a bigger picture that's going on, and we play an important part in all of it. In chapter 11, we have the message of the heavenly being from chapter 10, what he tells Daniel. It's in two parts. Okay, so you'll have to agree to disagree if you don't agree with me on that one. But it's a double or dual prophecy, I believe, up to a certain verse. It has to do with history that has already happened. And it is so specific that people have questioned the authenticity of Daniel. They thought it was written after the fact. And this will involve a lot with um, Antiochus Epiphanes the fourth. I believe he plays a role in here. But a verse, I think it's 36, we'll look at it, shifts. It's no longer about him. And he's like a prototype. He's a type of what is to come. He did desecrate the temple, but there's another one coming who will also do the same. Okay? Uh, Warren Wiersbe said of this, he said, the first 35 verses of Daniel 11 are now history. Okay? It's, it's fascinating. It's incredible if you go look at it. They deal with important things, but the most part of it, they're all forgotten. It's forgotten historical characters with difficult names and complicated relationships. I'm like, that's what I felt like on Tuesday. Difficult names, forgotten places, uh, complicated relationships. This guy killing this guy and the ladies involved trying to marry in and all kind of crazy stuff. And then in verse 36, the prophecy shifts from Antiochus Epiphanes to the man he foreshadowed, the Antichrist, the last world dictator. All right, who we have not seen yet. And chapter 12 is short. It's the time of the end. All right, so let's get rolling. So the seen and the unseen, prophecy. Why, why would we want to know this? You have to ask yourself. I ask myself this when I look at it, and I'm going to speak to you. Why do we want to know this? What's the big deal? 
Well, here's one reason, a personal one for me. I don't want you to go out there and say, my pastor never talked about this. And I have been talking about this, okay? We did First and Second Thessalonians in Daniel chapter 2. Some of this came up, but you are hearing it again today, okay? So that's part of it. Also, if God gave it to us, there's a reason he gave it to us. So there's a reason that we are to look into this. And we're going to see today that God knows the end as well as the beginning. And there's some great security in that. So backstory of Daniel, again, I'm not going all the way back, but when he was a young man removed from his environment, from his people, he, was, um, he made a stand for God. He upheld his brothers, his fellow Jewish brothers, and God gave him special gifts, and it was to interpret dreams and visions. It started at a young age, and then uh, he proved it whenever Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and he prayed. You'll see, prayer is important. He prayed to God for the interpretation. And then when he gets it, he praises God for the interpretation. And then he goes to Nebuchadnezzar and tells him the dream. And he's closely watching Jeremiah's prophecy of the 70 years that we went into extensively, that they were in captivity. That's why he is there. And then we see in the last, I don't know, it was the week before last. It was a great last week when we had the missionary here. Do you guys think, think so? Yeah. Um, we know that whenever the writing appeared on the wall at the end of the 70 years of captivity, that he was there to interpret that. And God gave him that interpretation. So in chapters 7 through 12, no particular order. I'll identify what I'm talking about. But you're going to say, why is he not going in order? It doesn't really matter when you look at it. Okay? So there are mainly three prophetic visions. And uh, we're going to start real quick. The vision recorded in chapter 8 involved the two animals, the goat and the ram. Okay, so we've got that one, and I've already told you that's happened, so we're going to put this to the side, okay? Um, we know from 8.17, the Scripture says, Son of man, understand that the vision pertains to the time of the end. All right, so this is behind me. You can see it. That means this has not happened yet, okay? So if you've read theologians and you think this has already happened, it hasn't happened yet. Some of this has, some of it has not happened because we haven't gotten to the end yet. Regarding the vision in chapter 10, Daniel was told again there, Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the later days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. Now back to chapter 7. We're going to lock in now. The vision of the four beasts. Daniel was told, These great beasts, which are four in number, are four kings who will arise from the earth. Okay. The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. Has this happened yet? Has anybody devoured the whole earth and crushed it? Okay, so this is not Antiochus Epiphanes or anyone else. This is someone different. Ten kings will arise out of the fourth kingdom and another will arise after them and he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue the three kings. Getting confused already? So let's compare this real quick. So Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Daniel had a dream. It's the same meaning, but two different visuals. Babylon was a head of gold. In Daniel's dream, Babylon was a winged lion. The Medo-Persians were the silver chest and arms. For Daniel, it was a bear lifted up on one side with three ribs in his mouth, representing three different countries in his mouth. For Greece, it was the bronze belly and thighs. For Daniel, it's a leopard with four heads and four wings. It's crazy stuff, right? For Rome, it was iron legs, and for Daniel, it was a dreadful, terrifying beast, another beast. And then for Rome, part two, which we have not seen yet, I believe, in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, it was the feet of iron and clay and ten toes. For Daniel, it's the ten horns on the beast. 
okay? Now, that was a lot of stuff, okay? Just to know where you're at, what's important is that God spoke to Nebuchadnezzar, and he showed him one vision, and then he spoke to Daniel, showed him another vision, and they meant the same thing. What is God up to, okay? All right, and then... um. I just want to make a point that it's believed that the primary focus on these envisions both involve future events, specifically a future world leader, which we know as the Antichrist. Is everybody familiar with that terminology? It's just what it is, against opposite Christ, the Antichrist. 1 John 2.18 tells us, children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. So we've had them Throughout time, we've had different leaders, Mussolini, we've had Hitler, Caesar, all these different Antiochus, Epiphanes, different leaders, but there's still yet one to come. Are we good on that? It's like, man, you just forced a lot down our throat. More to come, okay? He's going to rule before the end of time. Go check out cross-reference 1 and 2 Thessalonians. We saw him briefly in chapter 2 of Daniel. So I'm not going to step outside Daniel too much. But a few times I will step out. Right now I'm going to step out to the book of Revelation because we need to understand this is not just a political leader. He is a spiritual leader. You'll get some verses after a while on the screen behind me, but not yet. Revelation chapter 13, we read that this same ruler is identified as the beast. That's who we're talking about. That his power comes from Satan, the dragon. Okay? Scripture says, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. The whole earth, they worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? We have the seen and the unseen. We have political leaders that rise and fall. They have agendas that are seen. And then we have the unseen agendas of these political leaders also. And we need to be watching for that. So we're going to learn from the book of Daniel a number of things about this future ruler, and I'm going to go through these. And I'm trying to hit you 15, 15, 15, and I'm already behind schedule, so 15 minutes each topic. So we know he's going to make great boasts. This is going to be a ruler that's going to come up on the earth, and he's going to make great boasts. Now, we have a lot that make great boasts, right? That's a, that's a lot of them. This guy is going to make great boasts, and it will be a male. Okay. He will make a firm covenant with the many, Scripture says, for time of peace. This is going to be in the Middle East. This will be a time of peace with Israel. So this fellow is going to come on the scene, be very popular, and he is a world leader, makes great boasts, and he's going to sign peace in the Middle East. So anytime you have a political leader dabbling in the Middle East, making some headway, it's kind of interesting to see what's going on. So he's going to make peace in the Middle East, and then after three and a half years, he's going to break that peace. Okay? He's going to declare himself God. During his rule, he will speak out against the Most High. Okay? He's going to speak out against God. He will intend to make alterations in times and in law. He's going to change that up. And he will wear down the saints of the Most High One. Now, that's, that's rough news to read that, but it's a reality from Scripture. He is going to wage war with the saints, with the church, and he is going to overcome us. Okay? Now, no one overcomes us spiritually because we're more than overcomers. We have Jesus Christ. But on the scene on earth, this guy is going to appear to be winning. Okay? All right. He'll wage war with the saints, overpower them. That's in chapter 7, verse 21. The saints will be given into his hands. Scripture says for a time, times, and a half time, which is three and a half years. Okay? So I'm going to jump in here real quick. Is anybody absolutely confused? So there is a yet unfulfilled period of time of seven years. It looks like those first three and a half years will just be really good. 
I mean, a lot of things are going to be happening on earth in um, a humanistic way. Midway through, this fellow is going to declare himself God. He's going to defile the temple, just as Antiochus Epiphanes did. In some way, he's going to set up an image for himself in the temple, and he's going to declare he's God. All right? And in that three and a half years, things are going to turn really bad. Now, there's a theology that we won't be here, but that's not in Daniel, so I'm not touching on that today. I'm just giving you what Daniel feeds us today. So we have the seen and the unseen. Now, I want to share Michael Reitelnick because some of you I know, really, you're like, why does he keep talking about Antiochus Epiphanes? If you've been around the block a few times with Daniel and Revelation, you'll know, okay? But Michael Reitelnick wrote that the king prophesied of in chapter 7, the Antichrist, described in the vision as the little horn, will arise and take control of this last human empire by subduing three kings. He will be characterized by blasphemy. You know what that is? Anti-Semitism. Religious corruption. His oppressive rule will last for a time, times, and a half time, three and one half years, or the second half of the future tribulation. Some consider that this was fulfilled when Antiochus oppressed the Jewish people from 167 to 164 B.C. This is unlikely since that period was for only three years, not three and a half. Since this is not yet fulfilled, it is better to view this oppression as still future. When the heavenly court will sit for judgment, the Antichrist will be taken away and destroyed. All right, you still with me? Okay, I'm watching you guys. I don't want to bore you. We've got to get it good here. We've got to hit the target. So more on the Antichrist. Here's what Daniel tells us. The king will do as he pleases. He's going to do whatever he wants, and he will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will speak monstrous things against the god of gods. He will prosper until the indignation is finished, for that which is decreed will be done. He has allotted time. He will be on the scene, and he is going to rule. Eventually, his dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. Boy, that's something right there, isn't it? As we watch things happen, I want you guys to lock in and start thinking of your, your Christianity as much bigger than you've seen it. If you've been seeing it little self-contained, it's much bigger. We're, we're part of a cosmic story, God's story, and he's in charge of all of it. We will see at times as things are heading south, but God is still in charge of it. So whatever happens, he's in charge. Daniel saw the beast will be slain, its body destroyed and given to the burning fire. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions will serve and obey him. Okay, so there we go. That's the first part, prophecy. The seen and the unseen. So we've seen Daniel as a young man be carried away. We've seen Nebuchadnezzar uh, threaten to kill all the prophets, all the, all the magicians. Then the unseen comes in when God speaks through Daniel. When Daniel prays, we see he prays, but the unseen happens when God hears him and God answers him. Do, do, you, do you understand that? Do you believe that? Right now we have the seen, but there's an unseen even in here with us right now. Scripture talks about angels looking into things, things that even angels long to look into. We need to understand that the picture's much bigger. So wisdom, what wisdom do we take with this knowledge? First of all, an awareness as we watch things. Ask yourself what's really going on. When we see people come to power and they're pushing um, agendas like abortion, and pushing it, and pushing it. This is a demonic agenda. Uh, fallen angels, demons, evil spirits are behind this agenda. 
And when you have a leader pushing that, they were a vessel unknowingly or knowingly being used by the enemy. And we identify it as such as we see things, as we pray, as we vote, as, as we stay out of some things. We, we know that it's not always just men and women trying to gain power. They love their power. Well, I should say we love our power, right? Clinging to our power. But this is something motivated from hell. All right. So we get a perspective on things. And as you look around and you see governments changing and new leaders come in, you have to ask yourself, are they one more step in setting this up? Because I'm old enough, I've seen the world change. What we considered morally okay is, is, um, is it considered stupid and bad and closed-minded. I'd say morally good, not okay. And what was morally bad is to be celebrated now. If you don't celebrate these things that are anti-Christ, then you are the problem. I am the problem. And so as we see governments come in power and leaders come in power and they start to change things and agendas and, and cultural things and long-standing things of the ancient of days, we know that there's something else behind that. Okay, and I believe you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, so we have the seen and the unseen, the power of prophecy. Now, moving into next, the seen and the unseen, the power of prayer. We know from Daniel's backstory, did Daniel pray a lot? All right, the book of Daniel is specific in telling us that he would pray. He would go and pray for interpretation. He would thank God for it. He would go and give interpretation. Uh, there was a time when Daniel was threatened that he was going to be killed for doing such things, right? Because he was so into prayer, they knew we can catch him on that. We talked about that already, and he did it anyway. He didn't stop. I know who my God is. I know whom I serve. I know whom I don't serve, and I'm going to pray. And so he would go and pray, and he would pray how many times a day? Do you remember? Yeah, and if, um, if they said he couldn't do it, he wouldn't close the windows and hide. He would just leave them open. He didn't go out in the street and make a big show of it. He said, I'm just going to do what I do with my God. So that's the scene. That's the scene of what's going on. Daniel's praying to his God three times a day, and they're watching. These guys were watching. Now I want to talk about the unseen. I'm going to read to you, hang in there, a whole chapter. Okay? This chapter's so good that I'm not going to tell anybody to wake up, even if you sleep. I'm not. But it's so good. How could you want to? So I want you to think about this. When we go and pray, because prayer, for some of us, can be a chore. For some of us, we get bored when we pray. We lose our track of what we're talking about, or we might get sleepy. But we need to start thinking about prayer differently because we weren't all raised with an ethos of prayer in our households like these young men were and growing into their old age. So in chapter 10, Daniel recorded, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and the message was true and one of great conflict, but he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. So he's very serious about how he's viewing life and how he's responding, even in the physical, the scene. On the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Uphaz. That's pretty incredible. Anybody seen anything like that? Okay. 
His body also was like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and his feet like the gleam of polished bronze. And the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, while the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, and they ran away to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, yet no strength was left in me. For my natural color turned to a deathly pallor, and I retained no strength. But I heard the sound of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. So I kind of wonder when somebody comes and tells me they they saw an angel, and they engage them in conversation, I'm like, "Mm, that's not like what happens in the Bible. (laughs) Was that after you picked yourself up, or they lifted you up? But we see Daniel's reaction here to this, this magnificent almost terrifying, created being, created by God, a created being, the unseen. Do you, do you believe the word of God that the unseen is out there, that these beings are out there? Okay, and in the big scheme of things, let me tell you what, humankind is just as important as this creation of unseen beings. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you, and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you, and when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I came in response to your words. So when he started praying, when was he heard? At the very first, he was, his words were heard. Now, he's not seeing things happening, but he's continuing to pray. And then this angel is sent on his behalf. And he was delayed. This is good. Are you guys getting excited? Okay. I know Sandy is. Sandy's all jumping around down here. He's delayed, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And behold, one who resembled a human being was touching my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was standing before me, O my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me, and I have retained no strength." This sounds like something we do every, every Sunday in church, right? Far from it. 180 degrees from what we do when we enter the presence of God. And here he's in the presence of this heavenly being. And he's on his face. And, and you notice this other. It appears that another being may be there that's reaching down and touching his lips. All caring for him. And helping him to deliver this message to him. Verse 17, for how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? As for me, there remains just now no strength in me, nor has any breath been left in me. Then this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. He said, O man of high esteem, O man of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Now, as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, may my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you not understand why I have come to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. 
Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? So we're getting a better, bigger picture here. We have the scene of Daniel who will go about and he'll pray. He'll be with other people. But then when God responds from heaven in this particular way, those around him, they can't see it, they can't hear it, but they can feel it. They knew there was something charged in the atmosphere, something, and, and they, they flee from his presence. And Daniel's just wrung out until he is strengthened by the messenger. And we realize there are angels that are interacting with humankind. Okay? We don't worship angels. We don't pray to angels. But angels do interact with us. And this is an example where it's going on. And we see that there is also um, two angels by name, Gabriel and Michael. And it appears that Michael is specifically in charge of the Jewish nation. That's his responsibility. And there's battle going on in heaven. When he prays, imagine when you pray, it's very possible that you have launched something so on the heart of God that warfare is taking place in the heavenlies. And they were going at it up there. And we have angels fighting with fallen angels. There's spiritual warfare. In Hebrews it says, Are they, being the angels, not all ministering spirits, sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Sent out for the sake of you who's going to inherit salvation. The angels from heaven are in, in warfare. And principalities in high places fighting it out as we see elections and results of elections and people making decisions on an individual level and a global level and a national level that there are powers over regions, principalities. This is not my theology. Some people take it deeper. I'm going to leave it right there with what Scripture says, that warfare is taking place. As we sit and watch the news, as we walk through this, as we pray, as we wring our hands, God is moving and things are happening. And I would like to know that I'm launching some angels, that I'm helping them in warfare. I'm not sitting by just complaining about it. In Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 12, we were told, Finally, be strong in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to take your stand against the schemes of the devil. Because he's scheming. And we may not even recognize it as such. It may take us a little while to see that, but we need to be aware and apply wisdom. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's real, children of God. It's real. And it's time for us to be aware if we have not been. So in the book of Daniel, we read these accounts of angels acting in response to Daniel's prayers. So there's the knowledge, okay? What's the wisdom? Well, I think I need to start praying more. How about you guys? I believe I should be more disciplined in in my prayer times. Because I believe all this. And I need to realize that When I'm praying, and when we're gathering together to pray, we might be tired, we may not be inspired, but what we're doing is very important. So we don't want to mumble through it. We're not going to tell anybody how it has to be done. I don't see anything in here telling you how to pray, do you? The communicating with God, I see much humility involved in it, and I read much faith in it. But wisdom is, church, that we have a battle going on, and some big things are coming. And there's going to be a big enemy who's going to be allowed on the scene who's going to have a lot of power. And as a church, we are given foreknowledge about this. 
Because God knows the beginning as well as the end. And we are to pray. And when we pray, things in the heavenlies are happening. So that tells me I, I need to pray for my family. I need to pray for my kids in Switzerland. I need to pray for my kids in Germany. I need to pray for my kids in Utah, my ones here in Surprise in Arizona. I need to pray for my family, for my wife. Pray for myself. I need to be praying for my family. I need to be praying for this church. I need to be praying for this town. And when we do, imagine what could happen. What if they're up there just waiting, just waiting? They're not praying. They're not praying. I want to fight so hard on their behalf, but they're not praying. That's just my interjection. But I find great hope and comfort in this, knowing that if battles are taking place, and I believe they are, that are beyond me, with beings much more powerful than I am, that I could have hope and comfort knowing that God's got this. And my words and my faith, speaking from my heart, moves heaven. Okay? So there's wisdom in prayer. Look at that. We made it through the first two. Okay. You ready for the last one? All right. The seen and the unseen. The last one, we, we see kingdoms on earth, we see nations rise, we see governments change, we see countries, um, the UN, we see all kind of things like that. Um, here in a little level, we have government here in Youngtown, we have government in Arizona, we have government in the United States. So we see kingdoms and governments and leaders, but there's also, as we said, the unseen. Okay? We've, had, we've had saints from our church that have been worshiping with us since I've been here pass on into the unseen, and that's their reality now. Oh, <laughs> you know, they invested their time, they trusted in the blood of Christ, and they are now in the true reality of what is our unseen. Their faith has been rewarded. So these things are all temporary. Have you seen that? Have you seen governments change? Things change? It's temporary, right? Some can do great damage, some can do great good, others can come wipe it out. It just, it's, it's humankind sometimes playing games. But there is an unseen kingdom, which is the everlasting kingdom, which is still in future for us. So God's story has a great ending, and this is what Daniel was told in, in chapter 12, and this is where we're going to see some fascinating things. So you think Old Testament, you think of Daniel, and I, I never really saw or imagined that God would be speaking to him about a future generation. He's praying for his people. 70 years is up. They're going back. I'm too old to go back with them. I'm going to stay here and serve the next leader as the next regime comes on. And he stays there and God was not done with him yet. In his 80s, God was not done with him yet. And he's speaking to him for our sake today. Okay? For many and for our sake today. So in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, he was told, now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise. So there's Michael the archangel. And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. This is so powerful that you're allowed to hear this today. This is so amazing that we're allowed to gather in this building and hear this word from way, way, way back. 
to prepare us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to wake us up to who God is and who we are in Christ. So there is going to be, again, a time of distress. We've been told of that. We may live and die and we don't see that time, or we might be on the threshold of that time. Of distress, it has never occurred since there was a nation until that time. You know how horrible World War II was, the devastation. This is going to be worse than that. And then there's this idea that something's going to happen at the end of this time. We're going to build on this, okay? Something's going to happen at the end of this time where everybody's going to be looking at some books. Here we're told specifically that everyone whose name is found written in the book will be rescued. So if I walked in off the street and this was new to me, I want to know more about this book. Because that sounds scary, but this is telling me I could be rescued if my name's found written in the book. And then those who have passed on, who have already died, they're going to be waking up also to something everlasting. Because this, this is just a shell of what's going to happen. We get so caught up in this and we forget there's something much bigger around us and coming. Some will wake up to disgrace and everlasting contempt, but others to everlasting life. And it's got something to do with this book. Doesn't it make you wonder, I want to know about this book. Okay? And then, saints, hear this. Here's, here's your hope. I don't want you to go and say, he just talked about scary stuff on Sunday. I need to be encouraged. He said, those who have insight. Do you have insight? Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. And those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. We got to get our game on. Right? right? I'm so excited. I'm like, I read this. I'm like, I get to do that Sunday. I get to shine like a star up there. Not that kind of star. But praise, praise God. Praise God. And when you go into your house and, and you represent Christ and you speak Christ's values into things that are happening in your household and we're, we're teaching this to our kids and we're responding in conflicts in a Christ-like manner, we're doing this. When you go into your workplace and you're not falling into the corrupt ways that they are doing, but you're standing true to Christ and you're acting as Christ would have you act, you're doing this. You're doing this in church. You're going to be rewarded for it. You need to hold on to that and remember that. We don't just try to do our best. We don't just try to get through it. There's a bigger picture going on, and God's got us working. And humans are very important in this big scheme. We get all caught up with angels and stuff. But humankind is very important as, as we're reaching fellow humans. And as we're bringing Christ into situations. All right? So let's go on. Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. I kept looking until thrones were set up. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow. That's the clothing. And the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. A myriad is like 10,000. So ten thousands of ten thousands were standing before him. And it says, The court sat, and the books were opened. Yeah. There is more to come, right? The Ancient of Days is, is viewing us now. He knows that we're here gathered in the name of Yeshua, 
the Son of the Father, the Father in the role of Ancient of Days, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The Ancient of Days took his seat. And we, you hear the magnitude and the grandeur of this and how feebly we respect God at times. I'm telling you what, when the Ancient of Days is on his throne and fire is flowing out like a river from his throne, <laughs> how, how fantastic is that? This is not for you here right now. It's time to wake up, isn't it? To who we are in Christ and who God is. He took a seat. His throne was ablaze with fire and a river of fire is flowing from it. Thousands upon thousands were attending him. Ten thousands upon ten thousands were standing before him. And the court sat. The court means there's judgment going on. Judgment is going to occur. At that point, what's happened has happened. The judge has taken his seat and the books are going to be opened. This is what God would have us know. This is knowledge that we're receiving right now. So, what books are being opened? We, we don't really know, do we? But it's intriguing, isn't it? We know of a book, now we know of books. And as a church, we pay attention to this. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11-15 wrote, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book, singular, was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Well, there we go. Now, you've just been riding along with me. You're like, it's the book of life. You even have some more details I'm about to give. Have you thought about the book of life lately? Your name, if you have bowed before Jesus Christ, if you surrendered your life to him, if you're covered by the blood of Christ, if you've admitted your humility before him and your sin and received him as Lord, your name is in this book. This is a real book somewhere right now in the unseen. And there's a certain page that's got your name on it if you've given your life to Christ. If you haven't, your name's not in it. And it's not going to go well for you if your name's not in it. Philippians, Paul said about his fellow workers, he said their names are in the book of life. There it is again. Revelation tells us, chapter 22, verse 27, and nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into the new Jerusalem, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I put in the new Jerusalem for the previous reference. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. John the Baptist identified Jesus as who? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So do you see things that we've taken for granted that's happening in Daniel's day being interwoven? Stuff you wouldn't expect to see. Coming into Daniel, we think of Daniel in the lion's den. We think of Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego in the fire. But there was much more going on, we see. And it's the Old Testament and New Testament, the prophecy of God coming together for a purpose that he's telling us this. Okay? And now it's going to get even more remarkable. Okay? I told you before that chapter 11, the first half, some people question the validity of Daniel because it was so specific. And if you go back and look, I can give you some books if you want to. 
He nailed it. The message given to him nailed it when you can see through history how it was fulfilled. Well, now in Daniel chapter 7, 13 to 14, something really, really remarkable, incredible happened. He said, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Who is this Son of Man? Testify. Jesus Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Yeshua, who came and his own did not receive him. He lived a sinless life, tempted in every way just as you and I are, but he was without sin. And he subjected himself to the shame of the cross for our sake. No longer do we need the Old Testament sacrifices of burnt offerings, guilt offerings, peace offerings. We have the blood of Jesus Christ that covers us. He is the Son of Man. He's the Lamb of God. And it's His book, His book, that we want our name written in. In church today, in 2021, on the last day of February, because February is gone, we're heading into March. If you've given your life to Christ, your name's in that book. I don't know if it's in that gold scroll. It's in Hebrew. But it's there. And I want to remind you today. I think God wants you to be reminded today that your name's in that book. And you should take great confidence in that because in the past year, we weren't, at times, taking great confidence in much of anything, were we? We were like a cat thrown in the dryer. And we were just being spun around, right? But it's time to get out of the dryer. The Son of Man will be presented before the Ancient of Days at this great court. Okay, God knows the ending as well as the beginning. So what's the wisdom in this? The number one wisdom is I want to be right with God. I want to know this Son of Man. I want to know Jesus Christ. I, I want my name written in that book. Don't you? I want to praise God that my name's written in the book. I don't want to forget that. And then we need to tell other people so that their name can be written in the book. Right? Can you imagine when you get to this place, however it unfolds, you're in... And then you run into somebody and they're like, I'm here because of you. I'm here because you told me. Give me a hook. (laughs) High five. Some angel runs in with a sword. It's incredible. Scripture said, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. And those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. It's time to put fear aside. We've got to push it back. A lot of us are afraid in different ways. A lot of us are. We just don't all talk about it. We've got to push it aside. We've got to start focusing on the Ancient of Days, the Son of Man. Realize there is a spiritual warfare that's taking place, and things are going to get hotter, and we are here for such a time as this. So prophecy. We have the seen, then we have the unseen, which has been shown to us, so we know what's coming. Prayer, we have the scene where we pray together. We pray, you might kneel, you might raise your hands, you might do it with a group of people, you might do it by yourself. That's the scene. The unseen is what's happening in response to your prayers. Your prayers. And then we have the everlasting kingdom. 
I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm very happy about that. Very happy about that. But this is not my kingdom. I'm a citizen of the heavenly kingdom, which is already active and taking place in the unseen realm right now, which is more real than any of this. And we have saints that sat in here in certain chairs. I know where they were at. Who have gone on before us, and they're there. And they're there already, and they're a part of whatever's going on. And we've got a place reserved. So we close the book of Daniel. We've seen some miraculous things we've known since we were little. You know, maybe we had in Sunday school, we've heard again as adults. Because life changes, right? Experiences happen, you get burned out. You want to give up, you don't want to believe anymore. Believe again. Believe again. These stories are real. And the Lord wanted them recorded for us. So we could stand up in those trials and know that he's with us. And then we've got the unseen realm going on all around us. So don't get so caught up. Don't get so mad and so frustrated with all the stuff that you're seeing and hearing that's just bleeding in and making your eyes want to bleed out, right? But know that there is something much bigger and eternal that's going to happen, and we are already a part of it. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right? So this is a time of communion. This Sunday, what we will do is uh, Roger will come up. He's going to lead us in a a few songs so that you have time to get down here if you'd like to take communion, as as Jesus told us to do. We have uh, our very safe communion cups. Seems to worry about getting ill from them. You peel the top off to get the wafer out. You peel the next one to get to the juice. Okay. I'm going to ask you today to hold it. Don't take it. We're going to do it all together. As you come up and get it, go back to your seat and reflect on what you've just heard. Reflect on where you're at right now before God. If there's some things you need to bring before him, ask him to search your heart. This is a time to repent in Christ. If you do not know Jesus Christ, if you can't say your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, don't, don't do this. This is, this is not for you to do. But we could take care of that today, and you could do it. Okay? So this area will be open for you for prayer until the end of the service. I have someone I'm going to see today who's uh, terminally ill. They're on the threshold of heaven, so I'm going to be scooting out of here fairly quickly. I won't be able to talk. I'm going to talk to one person, but I will apologize for that. But I'm going to head out and be where I need to be. Okay? Uh, let's pray. Almighty God, you are, you are magnificent. God, you are truly awesome. You're the only one that's awesome. We throw that a word around so much about silly things. God, you are awesome. You're full of awe. You are just. You are loving. You are faithful. You are forgiving, God. You're merciful. And we thank you, God. Thank you for having your eyes upon us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice, what you have done for us. I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you will enliven us to internalize the written word so we can grasp what we are a part of, the bigger picture. I pray those things that you have ordained for us to do, God, specific times and places, the gifts you've placed in us, I pray that you will help us to accomplish these tasks as individuals, as families, as a church. I pray that you will empower us, put us at the right place at the right time, give us the words, God, and and your heavenly advantage. We praise you, God. I ask that you'll forgive us at any time where we have gotten off sight and we've forgotten this. We made this all about us and our preferences and our perks and our needs for power and control. I ask that you'll forgive us for that, God. We rightly praise you now. Yours is the power and the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.